This, 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 we are gathered here today for the Fight Disciples UFC and Boxing Talk. Uh, now then, this weekend, a man that's got a gold medal and a gold phone bo- uh, letterbox, actually, uh, could be uh, bringing home uh, some more jewellery uh, from the United States of America as he attempts to become the uh, world champion in the lightweight division. It is, of course, uh, Luke Campbell, who joins me on the show right now. Luke, how are you, mate? You good? Yeah, I'm good. How are you? I'm very well indeed. Listen, I've seen all the pictures. It's been a busy day for you, man. All that media, people sticking microphones <laughs> in your mush. I tell you, have, has, have you done the open yeah. workout as well today? Have you been been going for that as well? Done it all. <laughs> done it all today, non-stop. <laughs> listen, all good though. Listen, for the majority of uh, fighters that have to go um, to America or um, somewhere else in Europe to attempt to become a world champion... That in itself is a yeah. challenge, obviously, going overseas. But you're based out there anyway. You're based in Miami these days, aren't you, training? Exactly. Yeah, I do all my training camps there, so it's, um, it actually makes sense. <laughs> well, I was at, I was thinking about you the other day, but with all the, obviously, with the terrible um, hurricanes and weather and all that type of stuff, has that been, yeah. has that altered the training camp? Have you had to manoeuvre stuff around? Yeah, no, not not at all, really. We was, we was planning on getting out on there on Friday, um, we already had flights booked, but what what we did do is just to be on the safe side. Is we brought our flights forward a day, yeah, and um, just to be on the safe side. And like, so we got out there on a the Thursday, but it was all sort of arranged and in schedule with training and everything. So it's quite straightforward for us, really. You know, we left and it was still bright sunshine. And uh, how's LA at this moment? Because obviously you've been out there doing bits. Have you managed to pick up? A training yeah. camp in LA. Are you still doing a little bit, just ticking over? Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, you know, we, we, the plan was to always finish the training camp here. You know, finish the last finishing touches, last yeah. couple of little sparring sessions, and um, and everything else to go with it. So, you know, that was the plan, and uh, that's what we did really. How have you found that? Obviously, basing yourself out obviously in Miami normally but now doing a bit in LA for the build up to this fight how have you yeah. found how have you found that that has helped you develop from obviously the amateur game being a gold medalist into the pref- the professional game um, well I'm in camp you know there's, I've got no distractions all I do is eat sleep and drain yeah um, and that is basically it um, I've got no distractions I'm not running around doing errands or things to do at home and you know, I've got two kids and a wife and stuff like that. So when I'm home, you know, I I, I get involved with the family as you, yeah. as you do. Yeah, yeah. Um, but you know, I'm away. I'm just I'm resting when I'm not in the gym, and then I'm I'm back in the gym. Mate, I can think of worse places to be. I'll be honest with you. You know what I mean? Enjoying that Miami sunshine. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, no. It's, don't get me wrong. It is nice. It looks a beautiful place, but. You know, it doesn't matter if if you haven't got your loved ones around you. It doesn't matter where you are in the world. I I love that as well because, for example, there'll be. I've no doubt there's people in your family. I'm, I'm sure your wife's not like this because she knows how hard you grafted, mate. I know, I know that. But there'll be other yeah. people in your family going. He's at in Miami having a right old time of it. Look at him. He's on holiday for uh, twelve weeks a year uh, before he gets stuck into the fight. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's uh, it, it sounds a lot better than it is. Put it that way. <laughs> now listen, this weekend, Jorge Linares is the target, my friend. We've um, we've experienced him quite a lot in the UK. We saw him with Kevin Mitchell. We've seen him twice with Anthony Crawler. I was lucky to be ringside. 
the kid is very, very yeah. good. That's an understatement probably, but yeah. he is very, very good. If you're going to be a world champion, yeah. at some point you're going to have to fight the very, very best. And this guy, many would put him in their pound-for-pound pound top five. Yeah, most definitely. Listen, how many guys is he out there that are world champions that no one knows? No one ain't got a clue who they are. Mm. I don't want to be one of them. You know, I want to be... Uh, I want to be the best, and to be the best, you've got to beat the best. Mm. And it's as simple as that, really. And it helps as well having to uh, beat the best in their own backyard. Well, I say their own backyard because well, he's well, obviously a, he's, he's Venezuelan and he's uh, been based in Japan. I think he's even based even in the, in the UK at this moment in time, isn't he, is, uh, is Jorge? But I know he's a, a golden boy fighter, so therefore, yeah. hence being out in LA for this particular fight. Yeah. He is, yeah. But, you know, it's, we're doing it the hard way, but when we do it, a lot of people are um, obviously saying that this is a quite a, a tough hill for you to climb with this particular fight, but I have seen yeah. you develop quite a lot over the last 12 to 18 months in particular, obviously since your loss. It's been one of those slowly, slowly catchy monkey situations. And over the last couple of fights, Derry Matthews and uh, Darlis Perez, we've seen a whole different um, Luke Campbell, a guy that, a lot of people are now starting to believe can compete on the world level. Yeah, well, you're going to see on Saturday night. You know, there's a lot of experts out there, but until that bell rings, you're going to see. I like to see. You're the... going to see what the truth is, Luke. I can see that. I can see. I can hear the steely confidence in the back of your mind. Is it? Is it one of them moments now where obviously you've done a full media day today? You're talking to me on the radio. Is it just one of them moments now where you think to yourself, "I just want the bell to ring. I just want to get in." Yeah, I mean, it's you know, it's one of those things. Um... I've never really been much of a, a talker. I've always liked my actions to f- speak louder than my words. Mm. So I don't tend to to say a lot or to say I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. But all I will say is tune in on Saturday night and just, just watch and see. For everybody here in the UK, the early hours of Sunday morning, you'll be able to catch Luke doing his thing over in LA uh, against Jorge Lenores yeah. in the hope of becoming the uh, uh, lightweight champion. Obviously, from that class of... 2012, mate. We've got some. We've got some decent guys knocking about. Yourself? Have you managed to? Uh, yeah. Have you Have you had any uh, conversations with Anthony, for example? Obviously, one of your former stable mates in that 2012 crew. We know what he's gone on to do. Has yeah. he passed on any advice? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, listen. He loves passing on advice to me, don't you? <laughs> he loves doing that. We was on the phone the other week and had a good chat, not just about boxing, but just about everything with pals. Yeah. Yeah. Um. But yeah, no, he's, he just said, do you want me to pass down any advice? And started laughing his head off. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, go on then. Let's listen to what you got to say. But, you know, it's, uh, it's, all, it's all good. You, come on, you you can't just do that. you got to let me in on it. you got to let us in on a little bit of what he's passed on your way, mate. <laughs> uh, I wasn't really listening, to be honest with you. <laughs> I he's, love that. Uh, I, was more laughing at, I was more laughing at him than anything else. But listen, he's, he's doing the business and... Um, Look at him, you know. So, you know, and uh, you know, there's no reason why I can't go on and do the same. No, absolutely. That to be fair, the guys that and girls that came through 2012 who were extremely successful, yourself, Anthony, picking up goals and what have you, you must get a little bit of a vibe off each other. I know that you've been on the same cards. I mean, I was at Wembley when he fought Klitschko. You were on the undercard with the Dallas Press fight, um, yeah. and the. the I know it's not a competition between each other, but it's an inspirational thing, yeah. I'm guessing, that you that you vibe off each other. One becomes world champion, right, it's my turn now to become world champion. Is that is that the case? Yeah. Yeah, it's, and it's it's a little bit 
beyond that as well because you know we are friends we are in the same sport and we've traveled the world with each other and seen each other achieve and you know we've been there for each other when we've had defeats as well in the amateurs but mm. you know i just i wish him all the success in the world and you know he works hard i work hard and i wish him all the success in the world and you know if and um, he does the same as me as well, you know. He's a good guy, he wants the best for me. And, you know, I wish anyone in this sport all success in the world because it's an hard enough sport as it is. I don't think so, I don't think a lot of fans appreciate that, do they? They see the bright lights, they see the glamour of the night, they see you do the ring walk and all that type of stuff and the picking up the belts and all that. But then they forget that there was 12 weeks previous to this of the graft. And not only that, yeah. there was a lifetime previous to this to build up to those moments. Yeah. That's true. That's true. But you know, it is what it is. They only see, they only see the the fight. You know, yeah. they only see the night. Yeah. But you know, and that's at the end of the day, it's, you know, it is what it is. And um, it, you know, it's our job. We get on with it. We've got to work hard to get ourselves in that in that kind of shape to fight like that. Mm. Now, listen. Obviously, when you win, because you're obviously going to win, mate, and you're going to be—I'm guessing yeah. the first thing you're going to do is get on the plane, get yourself back to all to see the family and what have you. Which, um, which one of the the lads is getting the belt? Because uh, you, you know what I mean. You've got, or is, is it big enough to wrap it round both of them? Yeah, well, I've got. I'd have three, so it's one each. <laughs> you'll have to get a copy. You'd, you'd have to have a word with the WBA and get it all copied up, mate. Yeah. No, definitely, definitely. Well, I'll have three of them, so we can have one each. Sort man. Listen, are they um, are they coming out for the fight, or are they watching it at home? How's uh, are the are the family coming yeah, out? Yeah, the boys, my, my, all my family's out here, but my boys have stayed at home. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, it's a long way from to come, and they're only they're only young, so and it'll only just put stress on somebody else having to having to um, be with them all the time, and hmm. you know the time zone here, they'll be knackered, so. I'm not going to do that for them for three or four days. Keep them and schoolmates. A nightmare getting them out of school, isn't it? You know what I mean. You don't want them fine, son. That's exactly it. You know they're in school and they're the best place for them. Nice one. Listen, we wish you all the best, mate. We're right behind you at the weekend. It's a tough task, we know, but come on, man, do the business. I will do. Thank you. Top man, Luke. All the best, my man. You're listening to the Fight Disciples podcast. Sad day with. uh... With Jake Lamotta dying, um, and uh, but having said that, incredible when you think how many fights he had and what his style was. Yeah, this like one of the original brawlers, if you like, um, with, which is putting probably putting a slightly unkind moniker on him today. But you think about all those fights, and yet he lived to ninety-five. I met him a few times, um, and what a lovely man he was, even though he wasn't in the ring. And sometimes in his life, there were some very uh, jagged parts of the man as well. Listen, this is a man that shared the ring with Sugar Ray Robinson, mate. That's it. I just bow down and kiss his feet. That, you know what I mean? This is proper stuff. It's unbelievable to think that he fought him six times. Wow. Um, had him down several times, of course. Yeah. Um, and only beat him once. Um, I think the thing of it is about Lamotta. He had a stubbornness and um, a personality, I think, that kept him into old age. But... He never lost that fighting spirit. Um, I spoke to, funnily enough, I spoke to a guy, and one of the reasons why people, he will be, a, he'll go down in iconography forever because of Scorsese's brilliant film. Yeah. His own brilliant life, but Scorsese's brilliant film, as you say, in 1980, which that beautiful music was from, 
and De Niro's brilliant depiction of him for which he won the Oscar of course. And if anyone's listening has never seen that film, but uh, tell people to see that film because the grittiness and realism, that black and whiteness of that 1980 film mm. is just staggering. And, and it just shows what a kind of cruel, hard world he grew up in the 20s in, in, in the Bronx. You know, the son of a very poor Italian immigrants. But, you know, one of the times that I met Jake LaMotta was in uh, the garden, Adam, and it was the first time my wife, my ex-wife now, had come to boxing with me. Um, And it was back in, I think, about 1998, 99. And she said, oh, I sat next to a really nice man. I think I was covering Michael Grant against Galotta or someone down in 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 the press row. And my wife was, I don't know, 20 rows back. I'd got her a seat that night. She said, oh, I sat next to this lovely old guy in a, in a big black fedora hat and his wife. She was much younger than him. <laughs> and, uh, and I came back to her seat afterwards, and it was Jake LaMotta. Wow. And I said, well, he's a nice man, but um, he wasn't when he was in the ring. And the funny thing is, of course, you know, that was her first ever trip to a boxing event. She was sat next to Jake LaMotta, and I said, he really is a legend, and he'll go down in legend. And I think it's brilliant when a film of the quality of Raging Bull is made because it captures someone's personality and you forget their, well, you forgive their proclivities, if you like, um, during their life. And, um, you know, you just have to celebrate the fact he went in six times against the greatest of all time. Well, you know, most people think Sugar Ray Robinson's the greatest of all time. He beat him once. And Jake, of course, also won the world title against Marcel Sedan, the Frenchman. Yeah. I think it was in uh, 49. Only 13 um, seconds left in that fight, and he managed to pull it out, didn't he? Superb. And, and it, it was. And you, you know you know about the rematch. I don't know if you know about the rematch. Um, he was due to fight Sedan um, in the rematch. But while Sedan was flying back to the United States, the Air France... Um, flight he was on crashed in the Azores and that's everyone right. died on the, on the flight. Yeah, that's right. Um, but, but, but I think, you know, the thing is about LaMotta, and I think the reason, one of the reasons why Raging Bull is so good, Don Chargin, the 89-year-old promoter, I was with him at Golovkin Canelo last weekend. Don's, Don has just celebrated his 89th birthday, did loads of promoting, pro- promoted so many people, knew Sugar Ray Robinson really well, and he said, during the filming of Raging Bull, um, Jake LaMotta was on set, or Jacoby uh, LaMotta was on set um, every day, had his own trailer on, on the set, and used to fling open the doors at seven in the morning and just give everyone hell all day if it wasn't completely accurate. <laughs> Apparently, he loved it, but he drove everyone else crazy. Um, but, um, you know, I think... You know, one of the reasons it probably is so good is because he demanded that it be a certain way. Mm-hmm. Um, and Scorsese does bring that kind of realism to his films. And it, it's funny, you know, because I, bigger figures in terms of successful figures yeah. have died in recent years. But it seemed to really resonate here in America today, Jake LaMotta dying. A lot of interest in it, a lot of news bulletins on it. Um, you know, and for you and I, the romantics, as we are sometimes about boxing, um, you know, it, it's, uh, it's 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 a great day to look back on his life. No, absolutely. And like you've just said there, the romantics of, of boxing can admire everything that he did in the ring. We've just mentioned Sugar Ray Robinson. But the, when you fall in love with somebody that does that in the ring, you kind of want to know more about them as a person. And if, if you go into his life and start looking into his life, his personal life, what an interesting guy. 
you know, so much tragedy, um, obviously multiple wives, all these different things just add layers to the guy and the character of the man. Yeah, you know, as you say, kind of, you know, he, he was a bit of a playboy. He, you know, took the tragedy of his son dying. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the, and also, of course, that he, a brilliant fight, um, fights against Robinson, most of them. Um, him refusing ever to go down. In the end, he was beaten um, uh, by um, Narcinia, I think it was now. But, of course, later on in his life, fascinatingly, um, when the United States government or a U.S. Senate committee was investigating cheating in boxing, and, you know, I think Bob Arum eventually was part of this, the great promoter now, promoted Muhammad Ali, mm. under the Kennedy administration a few years later, they were they started because there was so much gang and mafia um, kind of uh, fervor within boxing and, and, and fights were being thrown. I think he admitted in 1960 to a Senate committee that um, he'd thrown a fight um, against Billy Fox. Wow. Um, and um, and you know he'd been told that he would get a shot at the title if he threw the fight. Um, and it and it's in I think it's in the book written by a guy called Peter Haller and in, in, in this corner, 40 world champions tell their stories. Um, so he was stopped, if you like, by Fox in the fourth round in Madison Square Garden in 1947. Um, and he got his world title shot two years later. Obviously, he won it uh, genuinely. But, uh, you know, it, it's an extraordinary story. I mean, the other things, of course, that he did, you know, he, he, uh, he was a stand-up comedian for a while. Yeah. He appeared in films. Um, you know, he, he had his he had a, a nightclub in Miami. Um, he, he was in showbiz and commercials. And, you know, we weren't around during this time, really, in the 60s and 70s to see this. But oh. a very, very colourful life. Superb. Really good. Um, the other um, large story in the world of boxing, especially over here on uh, UK shows, I don't know if it's resonated in America as much as, obviously, the fabulous Jake LaMotta, but... Um, Rio Ferdinand's decided to uh, strap on the gloves, my friend, and uh, and take up uh, take up the sport. What was your initial thoughts when you heard that? I was very concerned when I first heard about it. It just reminded me of Freddie Flintoff five years ago. Yeah, and that Freddie had to train and spar for ten months, Adam, in order to get the license from the Boxing Board of Control. Um, and I know that they said no a couple of times when they went to see him training and sparring because they didn't think he was good enough. Um, when he did fight in the end against that American Richard Dawson, not a fellow cricketer, Richard Dawson, of course. Yeah. Um, the, the American Richard Dawson, it, it was a bit of a, it looked like a white collar fight, to be honest. Yeah. Uh, and the, you know, I know it's it's part of a documentary with Betfair and so on. And my only concerns are a for his health, b that he's doing it for the right reasons. We know about the awful tragedy in his life with his wife passing away. Yeah. I think three years ago, and he's got three children, and they're they're all quite young. And you know, I, in a way, you can understand him wanting to get into this to perhaps channel his grief, where he's perhaps not fully fulfilled working in the media. He hasn't got his career anymore. Yeah. Wants a challenge. He is a physical specimen, Rio, isn't he? You yeah. know. Um, but I just, uh, I, I just hope that um, the world realizes that you can't become a boxer in twelve weeks. You know, mm. um, and that I hope people realise that if he is licensed to do this, the boxing board will will watch him very closely. They'll put him in with a very 
kind of similar opponent. And I know a friend of ours, Nick Pete, mm-hmm. your colleague on Fight Disciples podcast. Yep. Um, a long-standing friend of mine, you know, with, with Fighters Only magazine and, um, you know, in the boxing world. But Nick's already put himself forward. <laughs> yeah, he wants it. Yeah, he does. He fancies it. My, my money is firmly on Ferdinand, yeah. <laughs> That's only because Nick's not in uh, top physical condition as of yet. Give him 10 months. He'll be able to, uh, he'll be able to get up to cruiserweight. No bother. I do not want to see Nick get knocked out by by, by Rio Ferdinand. <laughs> Mate, I'm going to tell him. I'm going to tell. Him. I I actually do. I think that would be highly amusing. I I think if if Nick fights him, he's going to get knocked out, and uh, it will. Um, well, it might it might help him make it more of a name for himself. But I I I just think look a lot of a lot of men now, a lot of people in their late twenties and thirties want to have a fight. I know Nick has. You know, he had a fight with Shane Neary, if I yeah. call it a fight. Well, listen, that's it. And I think regarding the, the Rio thing, you mentioned White Collar earlier on, and I have no problem whatsoever with anybody wanting to have a go of it. If you're brave enough, you get my respect straight away. But then there's levels to it. And to take it up professionally, I think, as you just rightly said, the uh, uh, the board have to be absolutely bang on if they're going to grant him a professional licence. I have no problem with him doing three rounds at a charity and... Um, a, a white collar event. I think that's fantastic. Of course, we should celebrate that, and I'm, I'm sure the documentary could be centered around that. Yeah, exactly. I think that's what it'll end up as in the end. I mean, I think Freddie Flintoff only fought a four rounder. I think it was. Yeah. I don't think I was there that night. Four thousand people watched him wherever it was, MEN Arena, or yeah, I think it was there because I remember Audley Harrison had a fight that night. I remember people saying at the time, "Oh, let him fight Audley Harrison," Oof. and that's what worries me that that. People don't realise. We saw it with Conor McGregor and Floyd Mayweather um, a month ago. When people are professionals, they can look after themselves. But even when they're professionals in a fight sport, the gulf is so huge. I mean, this is the right analogy, really, with with Mayweather and, and McGregor. But the gulf between people who truly are professional boxers who've come up from amateur boxing, often from the age of 10 or 12, have done it for 10, 15, 20 years, it's so different. They they know their body can take it. They know, you know, what kind of style they have. I mean, Richie Woodall's comments in the Telegraph. I mean, I put my comments in the Telegraph yesterday, as it is now in the UK. But um, you know, Richie Woodall said he's got a little bit of ability, and you know, he's prepared to work with him because he knows Rio will apply himself. But like you say. We, we, what we can't do is overstretch this. It's going to be like a white-collar fight, even if he gets licensed. Mm. I'm going to go for Huey Fury, Joseph Parker this weekend. Give us your insight. How do you think that's going to play out? Had a very interesting day with Huey up in Lake Windermere <clears throat> recently. He and his dad, Peter, are fully up for this. I think if he boxes cleverly, a la Tyson Fury against Vladimir Klitschko, boxes yeah. very cleverly, I think Parker is one-dimensional. What he can't afford to do is stand there in front of Parker, who let his hands go. Yeah. It doesn't look great, Parker. Huey's a novice as well in many ways. He's got a great opportunity. I think it's a 50-50 fight. Mm. Um, the Furies have great boxing and fight knowledge. Um, and as we saw at the press conference yesterday or the day before, where uh, Higgins, uh, yeah. Parker's uh, promoter, was thrown out, Peter Fury is definitely up for this one. Even more so you know? now. Even more so after that press conference, definitely. Even more so. And I think it's a fascinating fight. Um, and uh, like I say, it's a really busy time. 
for the heavyweight division. And if he gets that belt, well, it ignites all kinds of things. You know, Hay and Bellew looks like it's going to happen for a second time. Yeah. You know, in London on December the 16th, I think it is, or 17th, a Sunday. Yeah. Which is interesting. Yeah. And as you say, Luke Campbell's fighting over here at the weekend. And he's got a really tough fight against Jorge Linares, but I think he can win it. Thank you for listening. If you like what you heard, subscribe via iTunes.